0: I'm the Center Point Church. My name is Aaron DeMaster. I'm a pastor here. If you've never been before, you'll notice we're a bit different or than maybe a traditional church in our style. But we want you to know that we're still see the Bible as authority here. We take God very seriously, and we have a goal to help you take that next step in your relationship with God every week that you're here. This week what we're doing is, as JC said, we're kicking off a new series called Rooted in Faith. And I'm going to cut right to the chase right away. What we're doing over these next two months in this series is encouraging you to embrace Christianity and let the roots of its practices sink down deep into your life. Not have it be something that comes and goes or is just this stage in your life, not something you just do on Sundays, not something you just try for a while, but this series meant is meant to take you to be rooted in a life change and decision that sticks and hopefully impacts your life positively forever has anyone ever like made the head choice to make a life change or a decision for something and then it just drifts off 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 anywhere but your actions pretty much right uh did anyone maybe make a decision like that last weekend for a new year's resolution and had that drifting off 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 already happen? i hope not but for so many of us we have The right intentions to try and change things but just flop right like my classic annual new year's resolutions and i'm calling them classic and annual because every year they're the same thing because they've yet to be resolved each year uh but they were part of this year's new year's resolutions and they're still not going so hot already uh but it usually involves like eating less junk like less junk and it's so hard this is my pantry i know it's messy but when my pantry's got so many snacks, it's hard, or spending less, but but the weather, it's so cold lately, not snowy, it's not fun to do anything outside, so all I want to do is browse Amazon, and there's always a sale, it seems, or drinking more water. This is my desk, and literally I have like this giant jug that has pretty much sat there for three years, used like three times, uh, so, and it just sits there, I don't use it, or journal more, and I think, I think about doing journaling like late at night. I'll be like, oh, I should journal. I, that was one of my goals. I should journal. And they'll be like, nah, I'm just going to keep scrolling. Nah, nah. Or, or work out more. Like, but it just gets dark so early z- these days. And my kids go to bed at 7. And I sit on the couch to rest for a second. And then all of a sudden, I don't get up from resting, right? Can you relate? It's easy to have all the right intentions and even try doing them, but then fail so quickly and think, nah, it's not for me this isn't for me, and just just decide that it's not part of your life or it shouldn't be part of your routine. And again, can you relate? I hope not, yet with specifically this year's New Year's resolutions, but but it's not just with resolutions we do this with. We also do this with Christian practices. In this series, we're going to be addressing the things that a Christian trains and changes towards, not just tries to do, but but the practices that are of the identity of a follower of Jesus, what we're talking about is is engaging with the Bible, praying, worshiping, raising your family in faith, serving, being a part of a church community, and sharing your faith. Is anyone good at all of these things? Anyone not good at some of these things, right? Like all of us? Is anyone bad at all of these, right? Like. I, I I might be the first pastor that you are hearing explicitly say, I honestly don't enjoy reading the Bible sometimes. I forget to pray once in a while. like i I want to worship God like as first and foremost, but sometimes my desires and wants get put before him i I, I don't want to put the work in sometimes to explain faith things to my family or my kids and and encourage them to follow god because it seems like twisting their arms sometimes to get them here i don't want to serve sometimes because i got enough of my own stuff to do at home right honestly sometimes i'd rather do faith stuff alone than be a part of a church community like watching a youtube video listening to my music and watching what i want to watch without anybody's opinion spouting off in my mind that'd be amazing sometimes and there are absolutely times I don't want to share my faith with others. It's awkward, it feels like. If you're a Christian person in the room, or even someone looking to God, we see that in Scripture. God wants us to train in these things, towards these ideals. Not just try them, and when we fail this idea, yeah, it's just not for me. They're not something we are to just see if they fit into our lives, and then maybe have them be a part of your life. All these things need to be in your life to root you as a Christian. You might be thinking, I thought being a Christian is like just this free gift of believing in Jesus. Now that you're saying I got to do some stuff like this list, I got to do this stuff. And you're absolutely right. Like a Christian is someone who has accepted the free gift of salvation from Jesus. Accepting and believing that the sacrifice of his life for our wrongs is needed. It's something you can never earn by your own actions or checking off the boxes of doing these exactly as you should. But but that belief in Jesus that you started with is being one who believes that Jesus' forgiveness is needed in your life, which means you also believe Jesus' ideals for life. So a Christian is also someone who believes they should be living out his practices and looking to his source of truth, the way he did to get closer to God when he was here. So whether we are mentally trying to do that list in our life, they are all something we, a person who is aligned with God, need to be training towards because we believe it's ideals of it's the ideals of God and we see Jesus prioritize them and told us to do them. Although we will never be perfect at these today and some somehow one day at the end of our time like in eternity with God we will be living them completely and the ideal that God wants but today that's probably not going to happen but what we can do is we can start to experience some of that holiness that God wants to get us to at the end of our time today and when we start to see these as ideals for our life today We can start experiencing what god wants for our lives now and doing some of these practices today they are going to help us get closer to the ideals of god and how we should live so if you did the online service last week that we had we saw that paul a writer of a lot of the bible talks about training in these things it's first corinthians 9 24 to 27 it says this don't you realize that in a race everyone runs but only one person gets the prize so run to win all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So a Christian is training in holiness, not just training towards the ideals and habits of Christ. As you sit here today, and I put that list up on the screen again, are you training towards these? Are they a part of your life? Are they something you've maybe tried before but have given up on? If so, we're going to talk about why and how to sink these spiritual practices down deep into our lives and make them become a part of who we are. Because They are necessary as we have decided to train to be more like Jesus. This week, we're talking in training towards the habit of engaging with the Bible. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Well, we see Jesus engage with the Bible and that he saw it as the source of knowing what God desires for for many people. It is the source of knowing God and what he wants. It's his holy and authoritative word of God to us. That's what I believe, and I'm guessing many of you do too today. But has anyone tried to read the Bible before? Has anyone, like, tried to honestly read this and have all the right intentions to read this thing and do it regularly and then gradually fade, right? Like, maybe you did it from front to back. Like, you started, like, in Genesis. It's going good. Like, fun stories. They're engaging. Then you get to Exodus. You're like, okay, oh, that bad. And then you get to, like, Leviticus, and you're like, what do I do with that, right? Is maybe what you're thinking. What do I do with that? Wow. And then kind of stop, right? Or, or maybe you did, like, maybe you've done, like, the open and point method. You know, i just going to see, see what's going on in the Bible. So you just, like, open up, and you're, like, reading a verse. Like, one young man falling behind was clothed only in a long linen shirt. When the mob tried to grab him, he slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked. What do you do with that? right? Maybe you've done that and you get something like that. By the way, I planted that one that wasn't random. Or maybe you've done something else, but you got lost or you fell asleep or disinterested. If so, today is going to be a great day for you because today I want to encourage you to continue or maybe to just start in your training of reading scripture. I want to motivate you to stay the course and give you some reasons why you should read it on top of it being God's word written for you. I want you I want to give you some tangible things that you can use to get yourself engaged in God's Bible today. Because a Christian doesn't just try reading scripture. They see it as the main way to know their God and his ways. It's the main way to have God speak to you and me today. I don't know about you, but I need this type of encouragement. Honestly, a lot of us do If we look at our nation, like, just kind of generally as a whole, like, I would still say comparatively to other nations, we're still a Christian-ish nation. Yet, the number of Bible readers in our nation is still quite low. And I mean, Bibles are available to us everywhere, aren't they? I thought for fun, like, we could do a little I spy and see if you can find this Bible in each picture that I bring up. For example... You can find Bibles at a hotel here. You can. Did you find it? Or you could go to a store. Target. You could probably find a Bible. Buy two, get one free, it says. That's planted. That's fake. But I don't think you actually can do that at Target. Um, but you can find one at your nightstand, probably. It's a little dusty, but there's probably one at your nightstand. Go to Grandma's house. I'm pretty sure there's a Bible there. Probably a Bible. Or a library. Where's the Bible? Like there, You can usually find a Bible there. People are... People give them to you. Like, we give away free Bibles here. People are just like, yeah, you want a Bible? Sure. Often people will give them. People will bring them to your door. You might not like that they do that, but people will bring a Bible to your door at times. Even your phone has a Bible. It's available everywhere. Like, statistically, the average American household has three to four Bibles in it. But only 17% of the American population read the Bible on a regular basis. Or almost 60% will never or only look at a Bible a time or two a year of people. I don't mean to express this in like some judgy way because I get it. I go through spells of not wanting to read the Bible. And I even have extra motivation. It's my job to do it, right? I have extra motivation for that. But I also remember what it was like to be a, a Christian and not a pastor. And, and the Bible would, at times at times, it would be super intriguing to read. But then at times, it was the last thing I wanted to read. Because it's hard and not exciting sometimes. But the Bible is not just meant for pastors or the super serious Christian or the Karens. It's meant to give you, a normal person, instruction and guidance and hope. Romans 15, 4, it says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So again, today, I want to give you some insight on why you should read the Bible and how you can start reading the Bible, even if you don't want to, actually. I'm going to give you some insight on how to do that. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about this book. Let's talk just a little bit about this book that we're training in as a Christian to make sure that we're all on the same page about this. Now, the Bible, or this book, is is actually a cor- collection of 66 different books. It was originally written in three different languages across three continents, uh, and then it was kind of over about a 1,500 period of time that it was all compiled together. But 40 different, 40 or so different authors inspired by God contributed to this, meaning God spoke to these individuals to write, exactly what he wanted it's a collection of poems and prophecies and letters and laws and histories and biographies written by people inspired by God telling one unified story that shows us our need for Jesus and teaches us to become like him and then to get to like this exact book we have today we did have like different translations done by scholars to get us to an English version that we can read and understand today So when you think of like that timeline of various writing and language differences and authors, first off, that is like so special. But it's also so unlike anything else we have or read today. And unfortunately, it proves to not be this book that you can just pick up willy-nilly and easily read just like off the top of off of the cuff of a, a hand. The greatest example I think uh, to model the work that goes into reading the Bible for for a lot of us is like trying to understand an old Facebook post or comment from years ago. Like I looked at like some of my old Facebook comments and posts. This is from 2008. Aaron Master is two down two to go. What? Or this is another one. Aaron Master, I love just who you are. I ain't gonna try to change you. You're a shooting star. That's why you're my favorite. First off, this is embarrassing. Like, who posts stuff like that? Secondly, what does that even mean? What do those even mean, right? Well, context matters, and I wasn't giving it in that post that I did. But that first one was when I was in college. I had two tests down, two to go for the semester finals. The second one was a song lyric. So, okay, like, now as I give you that context. It maybe makes a little bit more sense. Still a little random, especially knowing Facebook these days, right? And the type of things people post today. But this was over 15 years ago. So it was quite a while ago. Times were different. People posted stuff like this on Facebook. At least I thought. You early Facebook users might be like, no one did that, Aaron. Like no one posted stuff like that. You, maybe you're laughing at me. But in this year, uh, this was a time where like my faith was kind of in turmoil per se. Like, So it makes sense why I was maybe posting a riskier, not totally church-appropriate song lyric in in one of my posts. And in this situation, there isn't a comment on it, but sometimes people would add something to the post that would be like a follow-up or part of an inside joke, which is really hard to decipher now if someone was reading it, but immense meaning back then because it was like this fun friendship inside jokes type thing because those were the people that were seeing it on Facebook. What I'm trying to show is the effort that one would maybe need to go about to understand something from just 15 years ago. Nevertheless, 2,000 some years ago is a lot. I mean, my sister the other day, I have a younger sister just this past weekend is saying words like crunchy, crunchy. She's describing her granola or in other words, selective choices and buying products. As in, she likes higher-end products. So again, we buy crunchy products, Aaron. Crunchy? Crunchy's a chip. That's how you describe a chip. But to her, that's what it means. With all this said, context and translations matter. And the Bible is one where we need to take a lot of that into consideration. To go just two minutes deeper into this for my Bible nerds in the room right now, there are two words that are brought up in seminary often that are valuable for you to know that will help you read tougher scripture moving forward and, and or when it comes to situations kind of like the facebook one i described, the words are hermeneutics and exegesis hermeneutics is defined as this it's the branch of knowledge that deals with interpretation especially of the bible or literary text tobin perry is a guy that wrote for um a logos blog he states this really well he says but even when we're speaking the same language we can misunderstand what someone means because their context is different from ours. That's what hermeneutics does. It helps us understand what the original speaker or writer means by what they say. Biblical hermeneutics is the method of interpreting scripture so we can bridge the gaps between modern-day readers of the Bible, its original audiences, and God as its ultimate author. Hermeneutics is foundational to theological study, whether or not they know it. Every biblical reader interprets the Bible through their own hermeneutic, developing a clearly communicated biblical hermeneutic helps Bible students to understand the biases they bring to interpreting. So a lot of what we just talked about, understanding all of the context to a text, but not just that, you bring your own experience, your lens, your biases, your baggage, for the lack of a better term, such as maybe your past faith experience or traditions, your upbringing, your history with a particular text, and how it was taught to you in the past. All of that has an impact on your reading. Like, sure, they may feel like your own when you're reading the Bible, like, oh, this makes sense to me. Like, this is, this is me. This is new. I'm, I'm coming up with this. Not really. You have a lot of bias going into that, those things that you're reading. But other people, they've contributed. They've contributed to how you read the Bible that you need to be aware of to get a clear meaning and understanding of what you read. Like I've contributed to how you probably read the Bible. I'm adding to that mess of people in how you read the Bible. And you need to make sure that like when you read a text that you have history and presuppositions and assumptions that formulate your hermeneutic in how you read. Our goal should always be to try and strip away some of our personal biases, clear that room, not have it be so crowdy a bit, and approach the text in context in the way the original author intended. This brings in our second word for our Bible nerds exegesis is is defined as this it's critical explanation or interpretation of a text especially of scripture to exegete is when you attempt to do all of that front end work i just stated and then interpret the bible passage you read to get its intended meaning exegesis is interpretation of a specific biblical text hermeneutics is deciding which principles we will or will not use in interpreting a text now, woof, nerd out over, relax. We're not going any further with that. For those Bible nerds in the room, I hope you leave today starting to have maybe an honest self-reflection on what presuppositions are helping your biblical comprehension, but then also what biases may be hurting it as well. For others, though, this might have just been a bunch of mumble-jumble I just spouted at you. I totally get it. So what I want to do for the rest of our time is some of you might be wondering, why? Why even train or read the Bible? I mean, sure, Jesus did it, but he's God. And that makes sense why he did it. And sure, pastors, you should do it. But Aaron, for me, it's old. It's not fun. And Aaron, you just made it sound like a ton of work, right? You just made it sound like a lot of work to read the Bible. So what I want to do is I want to give you five reasons why you should start reading the Bible. Four tools to help you read the Bible, and then three ways you can start today. So what I wanna, want you to do is uh, either in the back of your bulletin, if you have one, you pull that out, or maybe even on your phone, you can open a note. What I want you to do is I want you to number one through five, and then number and in another area, number one through four, and then in another area, one through three. So you can do it kind of like this on your bulletin if you'd like, uh, or you can do it on your phone, or you can kind of just try to follow along, but it will you will get more out of it if you do follow along and actually take notes here. Now, I want to start with our five reasons on why you should be reading the Bible and be rooted in it. And each of these points, you can use at different times in for your motivation to, to read scripture because they're very different than one another and go with where you might be in your faith journey and in your Bible reading, no matter where you're at. The five reasons to read scripture would be Starting with desire. Desire. This is a, a selfish one, but you want to better your life. So you look to the Bible for or the scripture just kind of purely for wisdom. Or the second one, discovery. Like, you want to get to know God. You want to discover who he is. So that's maybe why you do it. Direction. You want to live like God desires. So you're looking for direction on them. Discipleship. You want to continuously grow and live and learn how to follow God. And then lastly, devotion. Because God desires it from you. These are all D's. So as pastors, we get bonus points when we do stuff like that. But these are five pillars that you can have to your Bible reading to get you to read scripture and to keep you reading it. Now, a crabby maybe kind of uptight Christian might not like this layout I just presented to you of why you should read the Bible. Because many many people might think it should just be about devotion. It should just be about discipleship or because Jesus did it. So you should. And I'm not against any of that. I love the idea that you would read your Bible purely because you're devoted to God. But a lot of us, like 83% of us, if I go off of that statistic that we saw earlier, that is just not the case. We don't read the Bible because of devotion. And sometimes our humanness and our reservations, maybe to read the Bible, they need a kickstart. And you may need to pursue it out of desire first to just get you into it or to start back into it. I mean, think of anything you get into these days. Like, there usually is a slow start. You don't instantly, like, devote everything to it, a full commitment, instantly. For example, when I met my wife, Sydney, I wasn't devoted to her. I wasn't. I mean, I just met her. I saw her and I desired her. Ooh, right? Like, I desired her. And honestly, she probably would have scared me off if she's like, Boom, boom, boom! Here's all my pet peeves. Here's the bad things about me. You're not gonna like this about me. I'd be like, I'm out, right? Like I'm out. I just desired her, and it was a slow start. Uh, but then we dated. We dated each other, and I wanted to discover who she was, which still didn't rip off the bandaid per se of all the negatives. There's all the little things about her. There's not a lot. Um, but then I wanted, I wanted to figure out like where she was headed, what she was looking for in a man, like what direction was her life headed? And I was like, hmm, check, 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 like that. We're aligned in that, great. And then eventually I wanted to pursue a life with her forever. So we had to learn everything about each other. We, we shared everything with each other. We kind of became disciples almost of each other to learn about what each other wants and desires. And then ultimately we made a decision to be fully devoted to each other. Bad habits, pet peeves, and all, right? Now, this is maybe a silly example, but kind of like the process for you and God's Word. So you might need to just start with desire to get you there. And I mean, don't you think some Bible reading is better than none? Absolutely, right? But here's some of what the Bible says to back up some of these Ds, starting with the desire. Proverbs 2.6, it says this, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The Bible gives free wisdom. It gives us timeless truths on how to handle our money and relationships and marriages and parenting. You can approach it out of desire in a place of seeking to better your life. Maybe, maybe to get you started in scripture, you need to start there. Because you have some very topical things that you want help from God on. And that's kind of maybe all you're seeking right now. You can start searching topically for things like that. The next one is discovery. Discovery. The entire book of the Bible is about God. So if we are in pursuit to discover him, we can simply read and and can look to stories of his character or ways or his design of things. And we can read stories of how God spoke to people and and worked with them and, and wants to work with us. And then next is direction. Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word gives direction on how to handle tough situations Unfortunately, the Bible isn't categorized by topics, like you can't just look at it for topics, but we can look to specific stories on how others made decisions that were honorable to God or or not, so that we can handle things the way God wants moving forward. How to handle money and time and relationships and identity and sexuality and conflict and forgiveness. Stuff we're maybe currently going through right now and need guidance on, or stuff that maybe is going to come inevitably in the future for us. Reading God's word is to help direct your life towards God. Reading that direction, it can be exciting, but sometimes it can be a bit difficult and a drag. So that's direction. Now, if we pause and we kind of look at that list again of our five D's, we are about halfway, halfway through the five. And I don't know if you notice, but the further down we get, the less fun or selfish they get. And the more intense the training becomes. The next one is discipleship. Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the harp. The Bible is meant to grow you towards holiness. Pierce and make noticeable the differences between God's desires and your desires. Discipleship is when someone is intentionally committed to learning from God. They're striving to live more like Jesus, whether it's something they want to know and do or not. They're pursuing a life like Jesus. Our last deed is devotion. This is when you are devoted to God's word no matter what, whether you wanna read it or not, whether you are seeing the benefits of the reading in the moment or not. When you are devoted, you still read scripture because you trust God and you know it's useful and needed in your life. 2 Timothy 3.16-17, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's saying everything is useful, whether that use is for your desire, discovery, direction, discipleship, or just a moment that's kind of forcing you to rely and trust in God that You just need to stay disciplined and read something, even if it feels kind of blah to you, but you still read his word. This D, the the devotion, is why you should ultimately read scripture. As you mature as a Christian, your pillars or Ds, it changes. But as I said, sometimes you just need a kickstart to get you moving towards that direction. For you personally, right now, I want you to assess yourself. Which one are you at? Where are you at right now? Which one can you use for motivation to start reading God's word today. Like for real, where are you? Now that you have a reason, I want you to just kind of put like a little check mark next to whatever one of those five it is, because we're going to re- we'll go back to that. We're going to talk a little bit about how we can help you start in that area later on in a second here. But now that we have our reason, I want to give you four tools on how you can do your scriptural reading well. The four tools is is have a Bible and a translation, pray beforehand, Pause and study. Have accountability and a plan. Now, so for that first one, picking a Bible translation. Have you ever felt the struggle of, like, language barriers or language translation struggles? Uh, I speak Spanish. Like, I, that's what I studied in college in addition to education. And uh, language translation is incredibly hard. It is incredibly hard. Things like, like this happen when you try to translate. Check it out. Ah, uh, yes. Human beef, a culinary classic. Funniest translation fails. Drive carefully. 90% of all people are caused by accident. Very suspicious supermarket. Do not touch bread with hands. Please use tongue. People are eating children in this area. Please leash your dog and clean up after them. Thank you. Deformed man passage. Oh God, the wild monkeys are haunted. Please keep away. You and your, f- you and your family. Yep. Stir fried Wikipedia. Yet another culinary classic. Again, no judgment because it is so hard. Translation is so hard. But the Bible was translated, and there are some different translations we can use today to better understand and just the subtle changes of language in our own English language today. But how this worked is there was kind of hundreds of scholars who, who went to the original languages of the Bible and picked words and statements in English today that best translate it So you and I as well, We don't need to know Greek or Hebrew, but then as you maybe like look at a a list, there's hundreds of translations. How do you pick one? Well, here are a few examples to just kind of give you like, this is meant to be fun, but to give you a vibe of each, just to get started. If you're unfamiliar, NLT or the new living translation is like a nice guy, but a little mature, like as in, it's a little bit more modern talk, a King James version. Always talks about the good old days. Doesn't get the youth. It's got a lot of old school language and and conversation in it. ESV is one cool cat. All the popular folks like him. It's a little bit more scholarly or people attempting that route. NESB, the one with the glasses. uh, Intelligent and analytical. A little socially awkward, but it tends to be more scholarly. Uh, New King James Version. Solid guy despite the slight inferiority complex. It's just kind of like the King James version, but a little newer per se. And then NIV was super popular uh, and tons of people were into it, but now it's kind of shifted. It's not necessarily the front runner for translations today. Now, my advice as you kind of just got maybe a little exposed to it is pick something in that's common in today's language, which tends to be, I would say, NLT, New Living Translation or NIV. It's also what I use primarily on Sundays. If you want something in our language today, that, but that maybe is a little bit more thorough or scholar, scholarly, ESV, English Standard Version, or NASB, New American Standard Bible. But pick one. Pick one. And if you don't have an easy-to-read Bible, you can grab one on your way out. Again, we get free ones away. Take one with you. We have NIV and NLT that you can take with you today. But next, after you have your Bible translation ready, pray. Pray before you read. You heard how daunting interpreting and understanding scripture can be pray that god helps you understand sure you you have all those voices and past assumptions that that go into your reading and comprehension but praying for god's help or or his holy spirit or like kind of clears the room per se it kind of guides and helps you you feel directed in what maybe you should comprehend it helps you teach you to understand what you're reading So pray that he directs your thoughts. The next thing you can do is pause and study. When things are confusing or hard, don't just skip over it completely. Take a moment to read the verse or passage before or after. You can also, you can buy a study Bible. Uh, You can get it in the translation that you have or use, but like basically it's just the Bible. And then in the bottom, it has little footnotes that add to the verses that you read. So you can get Kind of some context, a little bit more understanding. So if you are struggling understanding a certain thing, that is an immense help that anyone can buy on Amazon or wherever. But maybe you need to start with that. But if you still don't understand everything completely, ask someone. And then eventually move on. But don't just skip over everything that's hard, that seems tough. Dig in a bit. Read for comprehension, not accomplishment. Lastly, have accountability. Have accountability. When you have someone who knows you want to read the Bible or, or better yet, do it with you, you are more accountable to following through. It could be with someone that's afar or remotely. It could be someone in your life group or your family. But pick a plan together, which gets to our last section, our section of three. Three ways or plans you can start today in reading scripture. The first is Jesus calling. The second is specific Bible reading plan. And the third is Bible in a year. The first could be Jesus calling. Uh, I think this is probably the easiest, best start you can possibly do. First off, we them away for free at church, and we still have some, so you can take one with you on your way out if you don't have one. Secondly, it takes you like 30 seconds a day. And plus, we're doing it as a church, so you have the accountability set already. What Jesus Calling is, is it's a paragraph, essentially, paraphrasing Scripture speaking as if God were speaking to you, and then giving you verses to look up, and how and where the ideas of that paraphrase come from. It's generally true to the context and is an amazing start if you've never started somewhere in the Bible. As a church over the year, we're going to be doing this together, and we're going to have people sharing. Like on Facebook, we'll have little video clips here and there sharing the devotion that was important to them or how it's impacted them. So come along on that journey with us. Or, uh, so again, you can pick that up on your way out. We also have like, there's a kid's version of it as well that you could read to your kids that it could be super helpful and just another way. It, it runs parallel with the adult version. It's awesome. So may, maybe you want to grab that. But maybe that's not enough for you. Maybe you want a specific Bible reading plan. There's so many out there these days. And what I would encourage you to do is to download the Bible app on your phone and start looking for the free ones in that app that are so accessible to you. Simply download it. Go to your app, and then you can search for things that in the plans in the discover category. You can look for things such as like relationships or parenting or or finance or whatever it is that like is of your interest, and you can search for it. Find a plan, and then it gives you some of the text that goes with that, and you can do that for free today. Afterwards, but this is essentially or especially helpful if you are in that desire or discover D category. Do that today. You can look up plans for certain areas of your life or you can look up certain plans for certain Bible books that are out there. Uh, We did something that's not in the Bible app, but it's available to you today on YouTube. Uh, We did a a study of James. There's five chapters of it and it's on YouTube and it takes you through the five chapters each day. I literally talk you through it all and maybe you want to try that. It walks you through how you would do a devotional. And then finally, maybe you want to... Do the entire Bible. Like all this, maybe this seems a bit too easy for you. Maybe you want to do a Bible in the year plan. It's an amazing thing to do, but it definitely takes more than a few seconds a day to do. It'll take you some time, but it can take you through the entire word of God. Two things I really like about this is I attempt to listen to it every every day. So you can listen to it on that Bible app. There's the audio version. You can listen to it while you're driving, wherever you're going. Secondly, you can read it at different paces. I've done like the New Testament or attempted to do that in like 90 days or 30 days. You can do different things at different paces to kind of compile it all in a one essence so it makes more sense for you. Whatever it is or wherever you are at in the D's that we mentioned, there is a plan for you that you can start on. So as we wrap up our time today, I hope you're encouraged to get in God's word and I hope you root yourself in it. A Christian doesn't just try to read the Bible, they're committed to and they know it's something they need to train in. So if that's you, let's start in it. So for you, I I wanna ask you again, I want you to leave with this thought, like what D are you right now? What resources or tools do you need to act on today? And then what's your plan? What's your plan? And then finally, for those that are maybe already doing all these three steps, I wanna remind you, what are your biases? What are your biases? How well are you exegeting the text? And what amount of devotion are you in pursuit of understanding God and his scripture? I'm going to pray and close us. And if you want God to not just help you try to get in his word, but help you train towards his ideals, uh, you can pray with me right now and we can ask God to guide us in in reading scripture regularly. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for just giving us uh, your word. God. No matter where we're at, we know your word offers something to us. So God, I just pray that as we as we look to you, that we can we can commit to training in your scripture so that we can understand who you are and then we can understand your ideals for life. God, I just pray that you make your word available to us, make it understandable to us, and help us to just do it regularly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.